Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Powered by Riverside. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of a podcast. I'm Lucas Agayurai here, and hopefully this is our last podcast, our second to last podcast, before Chris finally returns. Very excited to have him back on. Yeah, not me. (laughs) Oh, come on. (laughs) You can still come in and chime in, and you know, we we definitely enjoy your opinion when it's added in. You know what I'm, I'm missing right now? The heated debates that you and Chris have. Yeah, I enjoy we do being go on ahead. the. We do I enjoy ahead. being. Yeah, I I like being on the sideline for that. I just like enjoying listening to you guys, and then because he's so <laughs> rational and cerebral, and I try to be that, but I just admittedly just succumb to whatever emotions that are grappling my entity at that point. Chris, we'll welcome you back, no problem. You ready to get into this, man? Man, there's a lot to talk about, but I'm ready. All right, so Kevin Durant, we talked about him last week, Lucas, but we talked about him in the context of him partying it up over in London with James Harden. And uh, who's the rapper? Um, Uh, uh, Travis Scott. Travis Scott, yeah. So anyway, so after they popped champagne and they were hanging out and partying, apparently they went and started practicing together. And now, in addition to other teams like Boston and Miami and maybe Phoenix, the Sixers are now on the list of desired destinations that Kevin Durant would like to play for. So that being said, let's start with the reality of it, because there's a lot of differing opinions all over the place. I want to know what you think. How realistic that the Sixers would trade for Durant? You can make a legitimate argument that the Sixers have either the weakest or the second weakest package. That being said, Let's look like, look, we're going to get into it in a minute here. So I'm just going to say this. The three players that any trade for, you know, Kevin Durant is going to be sent around is going to be Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, and Matisse Thibel. Is that better than the Phoenix Suns? You know, if they waited until I think January 15th, they could trade Aiden again. So they could trade DeAndre Aiden if he allows them to. uh, Mikael Bridges, they have all their picks, I believe, too. So they they could offer a hefty package. The Sixers can't offer anything more than pick swaps. And maybe the 29th pick, I mean, the 2029 pick, maybe. So there's there's that. And then you have the the, the Boston Celtics. Jalen Brown is the best player that the Nets could get in any trade for Kevin Durant. 
Now, if I'm Boston, I'm not going to break up that core. But if they are inclined to do so, then you know they could do it and get a re- get get a really good player in return. And then you have Miami. Miami can offer up to about three picks, from my understanding. If that is the case, they also have Tyler Hero, who just won Sixth Man of the Year, and they could do Duncan Robinson, sharpshooter. Uh, maybe maybe you could do Victor Oladipo if you really wanted to. I don't know if you do that, but you could certainly consider it. He's the best right. player on the planet, according to him. So we're not going to get into that whole time. <laughs> no, we're not getting into that. The revenge of Russell Westbrook is coming, according to Victor Oladipo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll believe that when I see it. So thinking like that, the Sixers arguably have the worst package, just due to lack of picks. And, like, Tyrese Maxey is great. But I don't think he's the best player. Like, he doesn't even beat out some of the second-best players that other teams can offer in terms of, like, value. So, I I don't think it's realistic. Like, and, and the other thing to consider, and I was listening to the Ricky on the, uh, while I was driving today, and they said – do the Nets really want to do a trade with the Sixers after the whole entire James Harden thing that, you know, some could argue that it was like mastermind by Maury and everything. So I, I just, I don't, I, if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd probably say like five to 10%. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I agree. I think it's very unlikely for some of the reasons that you said, that being said, you look at Boston, I think they have I think they have the players that would basically help the Nets, Sean Marks, I guess, feel better about mm-hmm. going through everything they went through with Kyrie and Katie and now Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. So if they were to land Jalen Brown, Mark, uh, Marcus Smart, and let's say Derek White and maybe some mm-hmm. draft picks, I think that might be a fairer exchange. Then mm-hmm. let's say Tobias, Maxi, and Thibel. You know, depending yeah. depending on who you talk to, Thibel is unproven. Maxi still is a big, you know, not a big question mark, but they don't know how much higher his ceiling is going to be. And Tobias is on a really not so friendly contract, and mm-hmm. he's he's getting old, right? He's like 30, 31, just got married. You know, he's 30. <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird to know that he wanted to build this team, and now he's demanding that the coach and the general manager are fired or else he'll go. This so, seems like a Kyrie move that KD's it does. it does. Doesn't it? It does. Like, okay, yeah. the, the logic behind here, okay, so from what I've been listening to different podcasts, like um, the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse, is that this could have all just been a bluff by KD mm-hmm. to be like, you know, we, I know you're not going to fire these two people, so just trade me. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask for something so outrageous that you'll have to trade me. I don't know why Katie doesn't want to stay there. Look, Kyrie's back. Unless he doesn't – hey, look, he's been chilling with Harden, not Kyrie this summer. That might just speak volumes to how Kyrie's and KD's relationship has kind of soured a little bit. Maybe. I'm just yeah. – I'm not, I'm not reporting. I'm just speculating yeah. here. This is all speculation. Yeah. I but heard if, somewhere that I heard somewhere that Katie and Kyrie are not on good terms. To, I mean that that could very well be the case. That, and that, the whole Ben Simmons thing, 
he's he's the biggest question mark on that team, probably more so even than Kyrie Irving, because if if COVID doesn't happen, Kyrie plays no problem, and and you have no controversy about getting a vaccine. Where Ben Simmons is, he's got these mental issues and and back problems. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's 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 a big big dramatic thing up there. But let let's go to the next topic related to KD. If you exchange Maxi Harris and Thibel for Kevin Durant, and let's just say it it does happen. Let's say he he teams mm-hmm. back up with Harden and he, and he becomes teammates with Joel Embiid. It would be a deadly deadly uh, big three. Mm-hmm. Let's just speculate. Let's have some fun. What would the on court impact have on the Sixers? Well, clearly your depth is going to be affected a little bit. But to to be fair, the Sixers did do a good job building that off up. You'd probably have to start either like Isaiah Joe or Melton at the two next to Harden. Tucker can still play the four. KD can play the three. It's gonna the nice thing about KD is that he knows how to play off the ball. He did it in Golden State. So the fit with Joel, I'm not worried about at all. I'm not. Him and Joel are going to fit fine, and Katie and Harden have shown that they can play together. I don't. I think in terms of a big three, there would not be a better big three in the NBA right now. Oh, clearly, hands down. Yeah. So hands down. The, now the question is this. Could potentially off-court issues affect the on-court? Possibly. And we'll get to the off court soon enough. Yeah. But the other thing that you have to consider is Katie's 34 and he has a history of injuries. So I did an article recently. Let me pull it up here because I did the exact number. So in the past three seasons, so, so the last three seasons that Katie has played for the Nets. He's played a rough – he has not played that many games. you want to guess how many games he's played? 60. He has played 88 games since 88. returning from – in two seasons since returning from the Achilles. Wow. And Achilles, that's that's not a sprain. That's a pretty serious injury, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, clearly when he plays, he's he's great, but he can't seem to stay healthy now. Mm-hmm. which is a very big issue. I think he played around like 55-ish games this past year, around 30 last year. So, like, it's, you know, it's coming along, but at four years old, or he's going to be 34 this season, it's certainly something to concern yourself with. And, I, and I'll say this. I, I wrote an article about this. I, I mean, you have talked about this off air. You know, at first I kind of was thinking, you know what, I would probably trade Maxi for Harden. But now thinking about it now, and I wrote an article explaining my logic behind this, is that I wouldn't do it. I don't think you sacrifice the future to potentially win a title now. Because, like, look, you're betting on Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Kevin Durant to all be healthy by the time the playoffs begin. Right. That's a big if. Like, I that I that's a lot to ask. Yeah. With with Maxi, you have a, a, a granted small, but proven track record that he can stay healthy well i let me say in terms of the on-court impact like you're saying the, the top big three in in the entire association uh lethal offense pick your poison on any given night uh you mentioned him playing off ball yeah that's true but there would be a lot more opportunities for iso ball shot clock running down you have a player 
another player who could be a clutch scorer next to Joel Embiid. And he's he's Kevin freaking Durant. He's one of the most efficient scorers in, in the NBA. You know, you got a guy who's clearly like a 50, 40, 90 guy. To your point about the whole idea of, of the future and mortgaging it for this guy, there is one positive that you could hang on this trade, and that would be if you know you have these top three guys, Harden and Bede and Durant. If one of those guys goes down, you still have a really legit chance of making a, a deep playoff run where, you know, like last season, not so much. Right. So just, just, I mean, just the point is like, mm-hmm. if, no, if, no, no. if you had, if you had Durant instead of Maxi, who's still learning and growing and Embiid was out, he got the elbow, you know, in the Toronto series and you had Harden mm-hmm. and Durant, they could, they could have carried them to the next round. Yeah. And that that's, that's very fair. That's very fair. My counterpoint to that is Tyrese Maxey could very well be an all-star next season. Could. It's a big could. But here's the thing. I guess my question is, if you can, do you want to make this trade before the season starts or halfway through it? Mm, I would. That's a good question. I would try to make it as soon as possible because continuity is such an important thing. Mm-hmm. And you can still April. get some okay free agent veterans too, like Carmelo Anthony, uh, maybe uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. Like you have options. Yeah. Now what about some off the court stuff? We talked about on the court. What type of impact does this trade have in terms of any drama off the court with Durant and mixing in with the other Sixers? So – I'm a bit concerned there, to be honest. Kevin Durant, despite all the greatness that he, even that he's not a happy person, at least not, he can never find happiness in, in wherever he is in the NBA. He was the man in Oklahoma City Thunder. He, he wasn't happy. He went to Golden State. He won two champions, finals MVP. Wasn't his team. Couldn't be happy. Went to the Brooklyn Nets, started it, you know, was in control of the franchise. Couldn't win, wasn't happy. Why would he, what, what's, I mean, like, I love Philly, but like, what's to say that he won't be happy here? And yeah. clearly we can see what happens in locker rooms where he's not happy. The Golden State Warriors were having a really rough time uh, his last season there. I'm not saying that he's a bad person or that he's a locker room cancer per se, but like it goes sour for KD and it seems like it's getting quicker and quicker at each stop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my concern, I guess. There's so much drama that certain players are, are magnet for. And in his particular case, when he had that whole burner situation, he, he brought that on himself. He went to golden state. And, you know, he won two rings out there, two MVPs, finals MVPs. And then he went to Brooklyn and created his own team and signed off on having uh, Steve Nash as his coach. And then you had more drama and then let him come through the doors of the Wells Fargo Center. I think that there's more drama to expect from him when he comes here. In addition to that, Lucas, think about the pressure. Think about the pressure. 
Golden State, I don't know what the media is like out there. I mean, it's probably like all sunny and happy. And look, if you can't be happy out in Golden State, then I guess you can't be happy at all. Um, mm. I, I just think that, I, look, I saw his, an interview with him, and I'm not saying that this blanket statement means anything other than when I saw him on David Letterman's show on Netflix. And I was like, he's got an hour long to sit down with Kevin Durant. I'm like, I, I didn't walk away with that feeling like this guy is, is really content. Or, or is driven to be the best player on any team. We've seen him, like you said, he's just not happy wherever he goes. Meanwhile, you have the exact opposite with Tyrese Maxey, who just naturally smiles at everything that is standing in front of him, whether it's a camera or a kid uh, or his teammates. So that positivity to go to Brooklyn and then to see him blossom and maybe be a, a eight-time All-Star would, would bug me to no end. And worst case scenario, Katie comes there and, you know, gets another injury and we're, we're just, we're stuck. <laughs> no, yeah. no depth, no more maxi, no more thigh bullets. Harden's probably going to sign an extension after this season. That's Joel, Katie and Harden all on long-term contracts where they're going to either, they're probably going to fall out of their primes. Mm. Like hopefully Joel not, but big men don't have a, as long shelf life as perimeter players mm-hmm. if we're being honest here so if you have maxi you get to buy us off your books you only have a rookie max extension which is a lot less than a max extension oh, which absolutely. means you still have salary cap flexibility you can swallow the james harden contract extension that's probably going to come after this season so i'm just where i'm at is this list like and here's the other thing maxi depending on where he his potential ceiling is at, could carry the team after Joel start and Harden start to decline. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're limiting your window opportunity here with with going for KD and time wise just you know and then on top of that like there's potential locker room issues. Right. Like and like I'm glad that KD and Harden buried the hatchet, but clearly KD can hold a grudge. So, and like the whole entire Draymond Green thing, that's mm-hmm. what, he, you know, the, the flare up back in Golden State, that's what apparently ended it for them, okay. according to those two in that interview. I don't know if you saw when Draymond interviewed KD, but how that was handled by the front office was the reason why KD left, right? Okay. Or was like the nail in the coffin there like he was already thinking about it but that was like the nail in the coffin i believe if i'm wrong somebody please comment let me know but like that's my understanding of the situation so i just it seems i'd rather just play it safe and i know that's like kind of like blasphemous considering it's joel's prime Mm. but like you think about maxi is it really outrageous to say that he could go from a 17 point score last season to 22 point per game score this season i don't think so it could happen i don't, uh, I don't think i just yeah I, I don't know how i i still think that in terms of veterans and, and how much guys are getting paid it's probably an unwritten rule that okay tobias is going to get a certain amount of shots uh unless doc rivers just says to uh, tyrese you have the green light pedal to the metal if if they come upon an agreement, then so be it. But I, I, I mean, Tobias he took makes that, so much money. Look, Tobias was averaging like he had several games in the playoffs that he had like eleven points, but he played so well mm-hmm. outside of those eleven points that it didn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I'm not saying Tobias Harris is going to be averaging 11 points next season, but if he averaged like 15, 16 and Maxi averaged like 20 to 22, I don't think anybody's going to bat an eye to that. Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, so now that we talked about enough about like the Sixers and potentially they can be, we can definitely talk about where they will be Christmas Day, Uriah. And here, so last year, interesting enough for, and we, I remember us talking about this on the pod because we were pretty upset. The Sixers did not get a Christmas Day game last year, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I have some good news for you. They're back and they're going to oh, be yeah. playing in the garden. Ooh. So first off, James Harden kind of spoiled it for everybody because he got on uh, on Twitter and basically proclaimed that they were going to be in the garden. But according to Sham Skrinia of The Athletic, here's the Christmas Day schedule. You have Bucks and Celtics, Sixers, Knicks, Suns, Nuggets, Lakers, Mavericks, and Grizzlies, Warriors. So with that in mind, Uriah, what are what are your what Christmas Day game besides the Sixers? Because we all know Sixers are going to be the easy answer here. So besides the Sixers, what's the most exciting Christmas Day matchup? I'd say Grizzlies Warriors. I would stay up late for that. Then I go uh, Bucks Celtics. Mm-hmm. I think Sixers Knicks is kind of a I don't know the, a deflated I, type of. I I don't think is the Knicks aren't good. I don't expect yeah. them to be great. Yeah, so, Jalen unless... Brunson is there, but you know maybe they'll trade for Donovan Mitchell, which would definitely make it more enticing of a game. Yeah, I, of course. I, yeah, but I, I think the Sixers, even though you know they're our team as terms of entertainment, I would say they're mm-hmm. third, and then I'd go Lakers, Mavs, and then Suns, Nuggets. Uh, sorry, the Nuggets don't do anything for me, and the Suns, you know, they're all right. What about you? Do you like that order or you got a different order? No, nah, I'm going to I'm going to switch it up a little bit. All for right. me, look, it's going to be the memorial season for uh Bill Russell, so I'm I'm going to think Celtics on Christmas Day is just going to be a little bit more special than normal. I'm going to go Bucks Celtics 1, Grizz Warriors 2 just because that that rivalry in the last two off postseasons has been really fun. And then the trash talking with Draymond Green and I think it was who was it? Was it uh was it Desmond Jaw? Desmond Bain, yeah. Desmond yeah. Bain, I'm all for that. So that's two. Number three, I, I'm going to agree with you, Sixers, Knicks. Look, if the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell, then it could be a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. But the Knicks, I just – they might be a playing team this year without Donovan Mitchell. With it, they might be a top six team, might. I don't know. The East is pretty loaded, Uriah. It's going to be difficult yeah. to tell. And then – I'm going to have Suns Nuggets because Jokic versus, versus Aiton should be fun. And then also, you know, what will Mike, uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray look like as well? And then another year of wear and tear on Chris Paul. Like, that's going to be interesting for me. And then the Lakers. Look, as long as they don't – they have Russell Westbrook, I think they're going to be dumpster fire waiting to happen. So, But that's all about LeBron anyway. Yeah, yeah but about LeBron. LeBron's also going to be 39, right? 
38-39, right? So, like, as much as – look, he could be Santa Perk next year for all all we know. Like, he's starting to get some gray in his beard already, right? <laughs> so, as much as I would love to see LeBron James on Christmas Day, I don't want to see him on this trash Lakers team. Like, this Lakers yeah. team is – a and then you have Mavericks, which they're without Brunson, and they didn't get another guard to replace him. They're hoping that Spencer Dinwiddie steps up, and maybe he will. And, like, Christian Wood's a good, uh, you know, pickup, but, like, that, yeah. that's not enough. I think that's going to be a, a huge impact. I, I think that addition is could be the reason why uh, Luka is going to win MVP this year. Look, because look, it, it, just if, look at look at the lob opportunity he's going to have, and mm-hmm. Christian Wood is a, he's a lengthy guy. He can he can uh, get up and down the court. He can block shots. I think he'll have a huge impact on the Mavericks team. Yeah, they'll miss J- Jalen Brunson, but Luca is Luca Magic man. The guy can do it all. So I I think the look, Mavs are going to have a good season. I'll say this: if they could have kept Brunson, I would have had them as a dark horse favorite in the West. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they have it now without another legit secondary ball create like creator off the dribble. Yeah. Like unless unless Dinwiddie can get to pre-injury form, mm-hmm. which I have my reservations about. I I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Like unless you know what it would be interesting if they could get Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if it's possible, but if they could, that would be interesting. Yeah. Or heck, even like. I'd, I don't know, man. It just doesn't feel like they have enough. Well, but that, the, that's my thoughts. I think the Bucks Celtics series is going to be, or Bucks Celtics game is going to be really good because they had a great playoff matchup mm-hmm. last season. Uh, yeah. That one game where I, I think Drew Holiday stole the ball, he, like he scored and stole the ball in, in the same same uh, play. And Giannis is Giannis. You have Jason Tatum, who some people are predicting he could be an MVP candidate this year. I wouldn't put it past him. But that Grizzly Warriors matchup, I think so many people are going to stay up to watch that. The problem, Lucas, is, and we didn't mention it yet, is they're going up against the NFL on Christmas Day. Oh, is the NFL having a, having games it's, Christmas Day yeah, this year? Yeah, they're having three Christmas Day games. It's a Sunday, huh. which makes me think, look, NBA. We all love NBA, but – pecking order is nfl nba and then we'll see what happens we'll see what happens because christmas day has always been the nba's i don't remember the last time the nfl played on a christmas day oh they no they've always had a christmas night game christmas night christmas night right yeah i think nba should have just said let's do the 26 let's let's have all our games no that's but but then like everybody's starting like all the people that usually had like the you know like like a lot of people are returning to like work, you know, like you know, normal um, like people yeah, that right, work restaurants. Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good point. So I mean, look, it's going to be. I'm interesting interested in seeing the ratings because I honestly think the NBA is in position to pass the NFL. More and more really? people. I, well, let me let me let me tell you this, okay? A lot of people in the area, and I live in Virginia. It's football country out where I'm at. A lot of people out here don't like the NFL because of the politics that was injected in it because of Colin Kaepernick. Right. So I think they have been losing the fan base and especially with this Deshaun Watson thing too. <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Look, I, so, I think that the, uh, I get your point and, mm-hmm. and it makes sense. I think it'll be a nice 
comparison the day after, and maybe the NBA gives NFL more of a run for the money than people would assume. But mm-hmm. the one thing that the NFL has to admit is NBA is global. Think about how many people mm-hmm. in China, <laughs> just China alone, yeah. that watch the NBA. Nobody in China is watching the Bucks versus the Rams. I mean, maybe in the Super Bowl, but other than that, like I, the I, only, I think it'll be yeah. closer than than people would think. Look, everybody around the world plays basketball. Football, F O O T, ball is only in America. Football, or in Suck Canada. Yeah, soccer. Yeah, Suck foot football. Yes. Yeah. But no, I, I so I think it will be an interesting comparison, and I I suspect in the next twenty to thirty years the NBA can pass uh, the NFL as the primary sports league in the in, you know in, in the country. Yeah. So I I think that, and you know, there's a lot of other you know like you know like other reasons why you know you could look at the like how the population percentages is changing from like a white majority to like a you know, more of a racially diverse, you know, mix. So I think that's part of it too. But I, I you know, and that's uh, clearly that's affected baseball. Yeah. That's, yeah. But, you know, not to get too off topic there. Sorry. It's I, it's an interesting passion of mine that it, we'll talk more about it off the air. Um, but yeah. So before we move on, let me just ask you this year. Was there any team snubbed in this? I want to say that I would rather see, and I'm not the only one who thought this, instead of the Knicks, you know, the NBA got the wrong NBA team for this matchup. The Sixers-Nets would have been so much better. Oh, yeah. So much better. Like, they, they could have created mm-hmm. a schedule. And maybe the Nets and Sixers play in Brooklyn, you know, like two games going into the going into the new year, and then right around Christmas time or on Christmas Day, uh ben simmons comes to philly oh that would oh that'd be like shaq going against kobe you know when he went to miami right i i I totally agree i think the just the uncertainty regarding like the uh, kd and Kyrie situation probably just turned them off to that i I get where you're coming from though and i totally Mm -hmm. agree here's another team that i'll throw out there the clippers okay you got quiet Kawhi Leonard and Paul George coming back. They have arguably now the deepest team in the NBA. They're, they're honestly, they sh- they're one of my favorites to come out of the West. Who would you I mean, want them to play? play? Who would you want them to play? Honestly, yeah, Mavericks. They've, they've stonewalled the Mavericks two previous seasons in the playoffs before last year. I was thinking, I was thinking the, the Miami Heat. Heat. Yeah, that's, yeah. you know what, they're, 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 they're a solid choice too. They did lose P.J. Tucker, but like, you know, they still have a lot of – but, like, you know, the national schedule has always – since Jimmy Butler's gotten there, has kind of disrespected the Heat, which is unfair, but it is – like, Jimmy Butler's not a regular season guy anymore. Like, he does not get himself up for the regular season, right. which is fair because when he gets into the playoffs, he's arguably a top-five player in the league. Oh, arguably. 100%. But, but, like, you know, during the season, he just – he doesn't have the energy to go all out like that during the regular season. And I don't blame him. I mean, that's really hard to pull off. I mean, so I, I get it. In the past few years, back in November of 2020, when Daryl Morey became the president of basketball operations, there was uh, a lot of 
hype that came with his addition to the franchise. He made a lot of moves when he was with Houston. And since he's been with us, he's done the same thing. He's brought his reputation and his negotiation skills. And we're going to talk about the moves that he's made. We're going to rank them, I guess, from best to, to well, which way do you want to go? Uh, let's go do worst? worst to best. Okay. All right. So I'll just read some of the, I guess, moves, which includes trades, signing free agents, as well as draft. I'll read them in random order, and then you can go ahead and, and give your order first. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, let's see. James Harden trade, the Seth Curry trade, Al Horford trade, the signing of P.J. Tucker, <clears throat> excuse me, in this past offseason, uh, DeAnthony Melton signing Daniel House, signing Andre Drummond as a free agent, Dwight Howard. That was a signing, I think, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then we'll we'll end it off with the Tyrese Maxey draft pick. So give me uh give me your order. What do you what do you think? So starting out with the worst signing, and none of these are bad, by the way. Let me just say that. This is just like the least impressive. Mm-hmm. Signing like a mid-30s Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. Granted, and we'll talk about this more, Dwight Howard is still one of the best backups that Joel has had in his career. It's just not like the it's the least impressive move. Like it is, it is. Um, following up by that, I'm going to say the Daniel House move. House did jump around the league, but he does seem to do well with Harden, so we'll see what happens. He's a solid two-way player, but it's nothing spectacular. Other teams probably could have gotten House for the same, if not less money. Then um, after that, this is where it gets tricky now. This is where, where it starts getting tricky, to be honest with you. I'm going to have to say the next move is probably the PJ Tucker signing. I think they just overpaid in a little bit too many years there. But overall, PJ Tucker is exactly what the Sixers needed. So I'm going to say that that's my next one. Followed up by that is probably the Melton trade. Good value trade overall. You gave up a first-round pick for a bench player, which isn't great, but he is a high-end bench player, and you got off Danny Green's expiring deal. So that that's solid. After the Melton trade, I'm going to have to go with the Al Horford trade. You did have to give up a future first-round pick. That's kind of tied up things for the Sixers in terms of trades moving forward now. But you did get off of him. You got Danny Green, two good years out of Danny Green. Granted, he got injured in the playoffs both years. But I think Al Horford staying in Philly would have been a disaster. So kudos to him for that. Followed up by, and this, oh gosh, this keeps on getting harder and harder now, Uriah. This is not an easy list to make. I'm going to say the signing of Andre Drummond, who, like Dwight Howard, is one of the best backups in Joel's you know, tenure. They got him on a minimum contract. It rehabbed his his image, and now he got paid around six million for two for uh, per year for two years, backing up Nikola Vucevic, who we both agree Drummond is arguably better in based off of what the the Bulls need from the center position. So there's that. How many do I got left? I think I have Maxi, Harden, and Seth Curry. Yeah, this is where it gets hard now. I'm gonna say James Harden's number three. Hmm. Okay. All right. You did. You gave up Ben Simmons. You gave up Andre Drummond and Seth Curry. 
two very valuable draft and you gave up two picks mm-hmm. for a guy who outside of the first five games since he arrived to Philly really struggled to stay healthy. Now this could totally change if Harden, you know, comes into next season and is playing like his former self, but based off the evidence that we have so far in Harden's age of what 33 it's, 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 you know, it was a risk and like they got a good player. It's just, it, you know, seemed like a little bit of an oversell for a guy that's about to exit his prime. Now, like I said, he could prove me completely wrong and he could jump to number one. But until that happens, I'm just basing this off of last season, right? So that's that's where I'm at with this. Number two is the Seth Curry trade. And you got off of Josh Richardson who just couldn't really hit threes. And a second round pick on a guy who Tyler Bay, who is no longer in the league, though he did play for the Sixers Summer League roster. And I would like to see him on the Blue Coats. Um, for Seth Curry, who has been the second best shooter that Joel's had in his career. I still think JJ's better, but Seth Curry's been fantastic. Even though percentages say Seth's better, I just, I, I like JJ more. With his, he did more with the two man game than Curry did, in my opinion. So then that leaves number one. And I think it's Tyrese Maxey. Look, Tyrese Maxey was a steal at the 21st pick. He's been nothing but fantastic since he's gotten here. He's a guy that could, in theory, carry the franchise. You know, assuming he reaches all star potential like we all suspect him to, he could carry the franchise after Joel starts to decline in the next five, four to five years, right? So I that's that's where I'm at. So that's my my rankings. What do you think? All right, I'm going to go with the Dwight Howard signing. I agree with you. That that was an important signing because he was, you know, a much-needed backup to Joel, but he, he's down at the bottom of the list. And I'm going to go Daniel House. Not really sure, you know, how he's going to perform here uh he had kind mm-hmm. of a down season even though it was a different system and he wasn't used to it then i'll go pj tucker uh d'anthony melton my top okay. five i'm going to go al horford trade just because of the money that we were able to free up by yeah, trading him i think that was a good move on maury's part then i'm going to go i know you're higher on seth curry with that trade i'll go seth curry with the fourth okay uh, move okay and you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, so you you value the Seth Curry trade higher than you do the than the Drummond signing. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Okay. I just want to okay. give credit to Seth Curry. I, I really okay. like how he's developed, and you know he paid his dues in the G League. He's a, a a great shooter, one of the top shooters in the league, and unfortunately we had to to part ways with him. I'm going to say the Andre Drummond signing, and even though he didn't play a full season with the Sixers. If it wasn't for him coming to the Sixers, I think Embiid would not have had, I would say, his best backup. We'll get to that later. And remember, in order to get Harden, you needed more draft capital. It wasn't just Ben Simmons' one-for-one swap. The Sixers or the Nets demanded more. And then return, Seth Curry was involved, and then Andre Drummond. Without Andre Drummond, you know, who could the Sixers have given that would have been okay. – I guess, I guess enticing for the Nets. The second, and this is tough because I love Maxi, um, but hang on, yeah. hang on. You forgot, you forgot the PJ Tucker signing. 
No, I, that's way down low. That's like you—you you didn't mention him earlier. I didn't. That's well, that's like I don't know. I, I like Tucker, but I—I I, I wouldn't say that's the most impressive signing or impressive okay. move. I'd say Maxi. I know he's your number one, but Maxi is is still an unproven player. He's not an All Star yet. He's fun loving. He's dynamic. He's he's just such a joy to watch. So he's I would say the second best move that Maury ever made signing off on him getting drafted at the 21st pick. And I'm going to go, I know you had him third. I'm going to go with James Harden. I think I had Harden most... second. Oh, you were second. I you think sure so. About that? No, I think you had him third. That's right. I did. Have Cause, him I, Cause I was that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had Curry had yeah. second. That's right. Okay. Anyway, yeah. continue. I go James Harden because, you know, look, no one will ever really know the truth unless they go and subpoena some text message records or whatever. But, you know, Harden and, and Maury and all those other guys, they might have been texting each other. You know, there might have been a breaking point for Harden where he's like, I can't take this anymore. What's going on in Brooklyn? And Maury was able to figure out a way to not only bring him to the Sixers, giving up and getting out of that horrible um, quagmire with Ben Simmons, but we got in return a top 75 all-time player scoring champ all that good stuff and he fits he fits because he's a playmaker Joel Embiid is now a much better roller in the pick and roll situation which Ben Simmons never could have uh, gotten into with him and Harden is going to unlock a lot of players and I think he makes everyone better on the team and that's why I think he he's the best move that Moore's made you convinced me I'll move Harden up to second <laughs> Yeah, I'll move him Okay. Yeah, second. Yeah, I think he's probably better than the Steph Curry, Seth Curry trade. Yeah. But I still, I still hold Maxi number one, just because like, I don't know if we're gonna get the, if we're ever gonna get the same James Harden that we, that that he was in Houston. Now, if we do, then he's number one. But until yeah. we prove that, that's kind of where I'm at. So you, I'll say he's number two. I, you, you convinced me. Daryl Morey, he's the man. He was. I saw a picture of him with the uh, Eagles general manager, Howie Roseman, who's very short. But then again, Morey's very tall. He's about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Um, Is know. he really? I did not know that. Yeah, Morey's huge. He's we need to get Karen huge. back on the podcast, see what she thinks about all yeah. this. Yeah, let's see you know, how she's doing. You know, what she, you know what? We need to talk to her about the – Tobias Harris wedding. We need to see what her her uh, opinions are on that because I'm sure she has some. Because she's into fashion, right? So we could talk to her about like the decor and all that fashion, stuff, right? Yeah, yes. I think she. We talked about the players coming into the the stadium and all the photographs yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as Uriah has alluded to recently, I came out with the rankings of Joel's backup backups up to this point in his career. Now there are some caveats here. Players that were used in emergency or not, or, or, you know, used sparingly in the role, like for example, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, or like George's Yang, somebody that they don't usually play that role, but they were only in there for a tough spot. And they're not natural centers. I excluded from the list. Just wanted to put that out there. So there were 22 players. We're going to just, we're not going to do all 22 because that will take a while, but we're going to start with 16. Okay, Uriah, you ready for this? Mm -hmm. So I got 16th, Mike Scott. As you know, Mike Scott was originally traded to the Sixers as part of the Tobias Harris trade. He was a solid backup four in his first season with the Sixers. When he came back for his second, however, 
it looked like Father Time caught up with him very quickly. And in order to try to still play Scott, the Sixers and Doc Rivers played Scott as a small ball center. And while it did help his three-point shooting ever so slightly, it just was a disaster defensively. Number 15, I had Greg Monroe, despite his him being the main reason why the Sixers lost that Raptors series. You can't argue with the fact that he, offensively, he was one of the better offensive centers that the Sixers had. And I, I would still trust him than Mike Scott at this point, to be honest. Number 14, I had Norvell Pell, G League alumni extraordinaire. Super athlete, nothing but jumps. However, the IQ just never seemed be there in terms of offense uh, defensively. Like he just, he jumped his, he relied on his athleticism too much. And offensively, he wasn't even that great of a rim runner. Like he could rim run, but his finishing was, had a lot to be desired. Number 13, I have one of the two current backups for Joel and Charles Bassey. I think that Bassey could move up on this list depending on how much improvement he shows this year. But Doc Rivers has shown a propensity to take slowly develop his backup young backup centers. So I think Bassey has potential on the defensive end. But like I've said before, he has hands like feet right now and on the on the offensive side of the gla- ball. So until he can prove otherwise, I think 13th is a good spot for him. Number t- number 12, I have Process, one of the Australian uh, imports that the Sixers had in Jonah Bolden. Promising rookie year, Uriah, but just did not have, did not show any progress in the second year. Was waived by the Sixers, 10-day contract by the Suns, and now has been out, out of the league since. Process probably like one of the villains of the process if you want I, I well see I don't like the term villain but like one of the negative not negatives gosh it's not even really his fault but like being infamously connected to the process Jaleel local for not the best pick at you know not the best choice at the third pick for the Sixers in the 2015 draft but they want best available player Never really had a long-term future with the franchise. Started one season, averaged 17 points, and then quickly fell out of favor, bounced around, last played in 2021. I think he's over in Japan now or China or one of those Asian countries playing basketball. Good for him. He gets to bully, be a you know, download center like he wanted to, but just horribly defensively. Number 10, one of my favorite guys, Kylo Quinn. Never really got a fair shot because he was playing behind Joel and Al Horford, but he was solid when he did play. It's just that he just never got the chance. Number nine, I got Bobby. Bobom Marjanovic. And no, he did not marry his best friend Tobias Harris. As Tobias Harris had to make clear on, on social media. No, he just was there for his best friend while he did get married. I'll say this. As an interior scorer, I think nobody was better. Like, he was arguably the best interior scorer as a backup that Joel has had. I think him and Joel are the most dominant in two, in two interior scorers on this list, even though Joel's not technically on the list. Number eight, I got my man Tony Bradley. He didn't get to play off of him, but when he did, he showed really promising two-way play. Number seven, B-Ball Paul. Now, he can get much higher on this list, Uriah. 
But for the first two seasons, he did ride the bench or play in the G League for Doc Rivers until Doc Rivers had no choice but to play him entering the playoffs this past year. And he did a pretty good job. So I expect good things from Paul Reed moving forward. Number six, process favorite, Rashawn Holmes. I still won't forgive Brett Brown, who was the interim GM at the time, for trading Holmes for cash back in the 2018 offseason. Holmes has been either a high-quality backup or starting caliber center since since being traded from Philly. Number five, Nerlens Noel is a defensive juggernaut when he was on the Sixers and pretty really good defensive center overall during his career. A lot to be left on offense to be desired, but he his defensive prowess is probably hard to match on this list. Number four, Amir Johnson had the longest tenure as Joel's primary backup with two full seasons pretty much. Amir played great his first season, Uri, but he did struggle in his second season as it was clear father time caught up with him. Number three, Dwight Howard. We mentioned him prior in the podcast, and he was probably one of the top three backups Joel's had in his career. Defensively, he was an, a force on the interior, was one of the better rebounders in the league when he did play. Uh, clearly not the all-star version of himself, but he still provided veteran leadership. However, he did get played off the court in the playoffs. Number two, Al Horford. If you're arguing overall skills, you could probably put Al Horford number one here. But we're all we're talking about his role as the backup center. And the fact is, is that his fit and injury concerns, because he did have knee injuries while in Philly, just did not allow him to play to his full uh, capabilities. And as a result, he was shipped off after just one season of dr- signing a believe around $27 million contract for over four years. Last but not least, Andre Drummond. I think we both agree that he is the best backup center that Joel has ever had. He accepted the role of being a elite backup center. He arguably until the trade for uh, James Harden was the back best backup in the NBA as a whole. He embraced, he's still one of the most elite rebounders despite coming off the bench. He was still averaging near double digit rebounds and because he was a backup, he could focus primarily as a defensive player. And while he's limited on offense, what he can do, he can do at an elite level, which is rim running or at to the rim. So that's my list. Do you agree or disagree, Uriah? I disagree. What? With with, every, with everything except your top what? three. Uh, and okay. I'm not going to go over all 16. I'll just do my top 10. Okay. There are six that didn't make it that you know, I'm not even going to say why, but. I'd say at number 10, uh, I'd say Amir Johnson. Is okay, interesting. 10. Boban, okay. I would say, is number nine. I had him number nine as well, so yeah. that's interesting. Okafor, for me, is number eight. Interesting, okay. Yeah, I was never a big Okafor guy. In, in I his... had him in the teens. That's okay. I had him number 11, I think. Yeah, I was never a big okay. Okafor guy, but I think he was better than some of the other guys that you had before him. Okay. Bradley, I know that was your guy. He ended up in Chicago. I liked Bradley when he was here. I thought he did a, a good job. He probably should be higher if I if I really go back and dig up some stats. But I thought he did a decent job. Rashawn Holmes, I think a lot of people liked yeah. him as a player, scrappy player, really good rim rocking, uh, lob catching type of center. Didn't quite have the jump shot to stretch the floor, but then again, who on this list did, right? Except one or right. two guys. 
Paul mm-hmm. Reed makes my top five. I think interesting. I think he's shown enough to for me to um, make me think that he belongs with this role moving forward. Okay. He's a fan favorite, as we all know, and I think this will be a big year for him. I would I would say Nerlens Noel is number four. Okay. Uh, not a lot of memories of him playing, just because I'll be honest, I didn't watch a lot of process early process basketball. Just because of my time. Mm-hmm. Is well, he only but... was the backup for Joel for like a half season, right? To be fair, right? That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, he, he didn't do what he was expected to do, and and had some issues off the court. Look, Dwight Howard, when he was here, he was a really good teammate, locker room guy. He was one of the few people uh, that would publicly come out and defend Ben Simmons for going through what he was going through, because Howard himself was was maligned wherever he went. He was labeled yeah, a bad teammate. But, mm-hmm. you know, your list has some accurate, in my opinion, at number three. Number two, I'm going to agree with you, Al Horford. Even though he started all the games, he would stay in the game to back up and beat when he was yeah. resting. And he's mm-hmm. the most versatile player. He had a, had a nice jumper, could shoot the three, was a really good pick setter. That's what he's known for. And yeah. Andre Drummond, man, look, he made a lot of money in Cleveland and Detroit and obviously went to LA for a hot minute. But when he got to the Sixers, he did what he was expected to do, which was rebound and play defense. And I, w- I wish he would have stayed because I-, I like him. I wish we could have signed him, but we know Chicago, you know, they picked him up. So yeah, I thought your list was interesting. I'd recommend that everyone go check it out. And it was fun reminiscing about some of the, the older guys and uh, some of the younger guys that didn't quite make the squad. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and you'll have to go on the on the site to see where exactly I had Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan from this past <laughs> season as well. Oh, Just man. And don't if you belong about, on the list. You know, and if you care about the Vincent Poirier's and the Justin Patton's of the world too, just just saying. Just saying. <laughs> um Oh, and don't forget about Tiago Splinter either. Yeah, that's right. He's on the list somewhere. All and, right. And don't forget about Willie Cauley Stein. <laughs> you know what? He I didn't did. even play. He didn't even play. Did he? I thought he played. Hang on. Now I'm curious because I totally forgot about Willie Cauley Stein. If I forgot him in the article, I'll feel so bad. I'm pretty because sure. Because I he feel didn't like. Play. Okay, hang on. Let's see. Did he. Let's go. NBA reference. Willie. Holly Stein, there you are. Let's see what basketball reference. Bless you. Thank you. Let's see here. He did play two games, Uriah. All right, but how many how minutes did, did I... he play? How many minutes did he play? Uh, six. Total or six per game? Yeah, six, six total. All right, I stand corrected. But he, I don't know. I don't uh, think he, he would got be... enough run. I think he could have gotten more time. Uh, he might have been 20th, maybe. Okay. Maybe. He wouldn't have been last. But he wouldn't have been far from it. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm sorry, Willie Cauley Stein. I honestly forgot about your your brief tenure. It's not your fault though. I think we all wanted you to get more time. It just did not happen for what other. Because uh, like, you're right. Tell me if I'm wrong. But we were like, start Willie Cauley Stein. I mean, do, you know, have Willie Cauley Stein over DeAndre Jordan during the regular season last I was, year. Right. Um, I was very ready for that move to happen. Yeah, I just I would have had him I, over Millsap. I think Millsap I, was worse than DeAndre Jordan. I'm sorry. Well, I, you know, if you go back on my list, you'll see exactly where they are.
for everyone who listened, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll come back next week with more Sixers content. This is Lucas and Uriah on behalf of the Sixers Sense Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You guys take care out there. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.